Woohoo! Welcome to the Green Divas Radio Show. You're on with Green Diva Meg. And Green Diva Lynn. Yay! No Green Dude Paul today. Oh. We miss you, Paul. Anyway, um, I want to take a minute before we get into all the fun that's going to be happening for this show, and there is a lot of fun. As always. As always, I want to just say a quick and healthy, hearty thank you to our sponsors. Um, do you need to rent a car? I do sometimes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Why not rent a recycled car from Smarty Marty's rent a wreck But don't let the name fool you. Smarty Marty's cars are gently used, and you never know. You would never know. So I rented one, and Lynn was in it when, when one of the times I rented one. So I'm yeah, telling you, they're nice. Mm -hmm. The staff is great. Several locations here in northern New Jersey. But, of course, rent a wrecks are available all over the country. So go to thegreendivas.com and look for the banner on the sidebar and make sure you tell them the Green Divas sent you. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. I felt like that was needed. <laughs> that was really cute. That was really a cute. effect. If you're looking for a trusted source for green products, please check out buygreen.com. They've got an awesome and easy-to-understand rating system so you know just how green the product really is. You'll find products for home, garden, office, even health and beauty. So, um, you know, please, there's no greenwashing there, so please go visit. Um, and also you can go through thegreendivas.com marketplace. Pretty soon we'll have that fully set up. But for now, if you go through there, you get the D Green Diva discount. So do All it, right. people. Better for you, better for the planet. <laughs> now, I just want to give a shout out to iHeartRadio. Um, you know, the Green Divas are on the Green Divas radio show is on iHeartRadio, but we have several of our individual segments now have sort of their own channels on iHeart. So yeah, you got to you got to listen in. Yeah, I I'm hoping cuz you know a lot of folks are now picking up iHeartRadio for their cars or their phones or whatever the uh, app. So find Green Divas radio show of course. Green Divas My Earth 360 is on there. Mm -hmm. Green Dudes, Green Diva Foodie Files, Green Divas DIY, Green Divas Health and Beauty, and Green Divas in the Garden, and of course, Good Vibrations with Kristen. <sighs> I had to take a breath. Stuff. I had to take a breath, you know? But please put us in your favorites and check us out through the iHeartRadio Cool app. I'm breathing over here. Thank you. Thank you. She's breathing for me. Now, um. Filling out. Now, talk about chilling out. Um, a couple of Green Divas are going to Hawaii. That would be you and me. In September. And we want to invite you along with us because the Kalani, which is a beautiful eco-retreat. Um, I wouldn't call it a, a resort, but it's a retreat. Really a really neat place. We talked to Eric Ellenwood from there last week. He's the permaculture guy. Mm-hmm. They are offering a 20% discount to any of our Green Divas and dudes. So you can go directly to Kalani, K-A-L-A-N-I dot com backslash Green Divas and find out all about the Green Divas audience discount. 20%. Hey, that's a lot. Get, that's you know, a great discount. Join us for the Puni, Puni, <laughs> Puna, <laughs> the Puna <laughs> Culinary Festival. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes Hawaiian names just sound kind of funny. But. <laughs> 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 anyway, so speaking of chilling out, I also got really inspired. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot about taking a tech time out because, you know, Lynn and I, we're, we're on the computers and doing something digital like all day long. And I have to take breaks and I have to force myself to walk away, unplug. Yeah, it's easy to forget to do that. It is. And both of us and are like... I think you end up in this kind of funky zone if you don't take a break i think you do and i think you know so we both kind of work hard on reminding each other that it's okay to walk away <laughs> mm -hmm. um so i i i have been wanting to do a guided meditation recording because i have done them for years for meditation groups and so i did one called so i'm we're starting our green divas peace out meditation series with a tech timeout meditation and, um, yeah, it's a great meditation, and as you know, I've you haven't been seeing me on my computer as often as you usually do. 
Yeah, well, there you go. So, <laughs> it's working. Had an effect maybe you weren't, weren't wanting from me. Yeah, I know. What the heck? I take it back. No, no. I've turned off my computer. I'm not working anymore. Nah, that's not true. <laughs> but it's a healthy way to find a little yeah, bit of balance, balance, right? Yeah, Definitely. so please check that out. You'll see that on the Green Diva site, right in the sidebar there. Now, today we're f- featuring um, a, a, a talk I had with Susan McPherson, who is – she's a, a sustainable business person, uh, calls herself a serial connector, which I think is funny. But um, we talked to her about uh, sustainability in business and what that really means and how businesses can benefit um, from, you know, more sustainable practices, right? Right, and amplifying their social impact. Thank you. Sounds good. Of course, we have a My Earth 360. That uh, would be me. That would be Lynn. Giselle <laughs> Atchazar. Uh, does a really nice seg- foodie file segment about organic eggs, which is very informative. And, and she is such a vibrant woman. Woman, I wish I had her uh, her spunk. I know she's an energetic green diva. And we have Allie Hoffman, who is our green diva, green thumb expert, who's talking about things we need to do for the month of August in our gardens. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Gary Dietrich is the Green Traveler Guides guy, and he's talking to us about traveling on any budget, how to travel green on any budget. So so please stay tuned because there is a lot of good stuff coming up. Want to understand what climate change is really all about? Want to get the latest environmental news? Listen to the Green Divas My Earth 360 report and hear it all. From WTF to encouraging news and ways that you can take action for the earth. This segment is sponsored by TrueGoods.com because shopping should be fun, not frightening. TrueGoods helps you make simple choices for healthier, safer, cleaner living. Tell truth, shop good at TrueGoods.com. Lay it on us, Green Diva Lynn. What's up with My Earth 360 this week? Okay, well, this the word of this week is perplexed. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's and, funny. Yeah, I'll let you know why. Um, so here in the U.S., we've been promoting energy efficiency, trying to set some global example of reducing fossil fuel use. And we've been cracking down on dirty power plants to reduce our carbon pollution. But... There seems to be a bit of smoke and mirrors going on. Uh-oh. I know. We've, we've been increasing our dirty, dirty fuel exports, oh. billions of dollars worth every, every year. So it doesn't make any sense to me. We're cleaning up here and saying, you know, we're setting this example, and then we're shipping it away to still the same planet. We're not, it's not like we're, we're sending it <laughs> off to Mars or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, the CO2. Yeah, and some of the places that it's ending up have lower environmental standards than we do, as if. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you really enjoyed that, What as if. <laughs> yeah, as if. <laughs> okay, but once again, it's all about profits, but yeah. the social cost is so much higher. And um, what's really perplexing is that just yesterday there was a new White House report on climate change, and I'm telling you what, my brain is about to explode because the report claims that the cost of fighting climate change will increase 40% with each decade of deferred action. And it also points out to, it also points to how the new EPA power plant regulations unveiled this month will save Americans money over the long term. Right. Yet, here we are shipping off, shipping out all of this dirty energy so other people can deal with it. Yeah, and that, it's that all is, going to affect us anyway. That is a bit perplexing. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. It, did, it could qualify for a WTF. Yeah, it is. It's pretty much a, a WTF. Yeah. Definitely. So that's what's going on in that um, arena. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll have to hope that somebody, you know, really pays attention and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because the CO2, it all goes up there and it's all our, you know, the Earth's atmosphere. We're all sharing it, people. 
yeah, you ship it over there, it goes over, it gets burned off in a coal-fired plant over in Asia or wherever, and guess what? Yeah, it comes here. So uh, GMO corn, we're all thrilled about that here at the Green Divas. Yeah. Um, recently, Brazil farmers were have been saying that GMO corn no longer is resistant to pests. And, you know, we've heard things about that in the past. Um, but they're having to increase their costs to use more pesticides. In fact, it's they've been spraying up to three coats of pesticides more this year, even though they're using the so-called BT corn seeds. Oh my God! Um, wait a minute! Wait a minute! So if you're if I'm understanding you correctly, the whole reason for these GMO corn was to be pest resistant, right? But right. it's not working, so now they're just lathering on the pesticides. Yeah. That's okay. What they're lathering it. Yeah. Well, whatever. It sounds like <laughs> layering. But yeah, it on. so they're they're kind of going after the. Um, you know, like Monsanto, Sagenta, all of these companies to say, hey, you have to re- reimburse us now because it's not working. Um, and and one thing I just don't understand and I continue to have a hard time understanding is why so many people aren't as concerned about GMO foods. Um, and, I mean, if, it's, if this stuff is meant to harm the insects, Right. What's it really doing to us? What's the long-term effects? And here we have DDT that was banned, what, like 40 years ago? And they're finding um, all of these birds have been dropping oh. in Michigan oh, no. because of being poisoned by DDT. Oh, that's bizarre. So here is something that, you know, at the time it came out, it was it was revolutionary, Um and it seemed to be all good, and then they find out, no, it's not good. But yet it still remains in our environment, and it's still impacting. Well, DDT is one of those things that we banned here, but continued mm-hmm. to manufacture it and send it down to South America, where right. they used it to make fruit and vegetables uh, that to grow and then send it back to us. Yeah, so all of these birds in this specific town in Michigan, which has three Superfund sites, these uh, sites were left behind by a chemical company uh, back in... Um, that was producing pesticides until 1963. Well, now, you know, they've been reporting these dead birds, and they finally were able to collect enough of them because, you know, people report them, but then an animal will take it away or whatever. So it took them a while to figure out that they have these extremely high concentrations of DDT in their bodies and also in the worms that they eat. So that's kind of... uh, so um, it, it's sort of like, you know, pay attention to that and think about, well, we don't really know a lot about GMOs. No, we don't. But you know what? We're, we have to wrap this one up because we have a oh, lot coming it. up in this show. So I'm going to just tell everybody they have to go to the Green Divas, thegreendivas.com, and check out Lynn's latest post, which will have all this information and, of course, an action you can take for the environment this week. Oh, sorry. I didn't get to any good news. It's okay. You're good news. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Lynn. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. Get all the details from this Green Divas My Earth 360 report and lots more on thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com, and myearth360.com. And remember to tell truth and shop good at truegoods.com. The Green Divas love food. Organic, local, fresh, whole, delicious food. Here now is another Green Diva foodie file. Yay! I'm so happy to talk to our fabulous Green Diva, Giselle Achikar. I think I said it right. I think I finally got Achikar. Well, well pronounced. Giselle Achikar. That's me. <laughs> I probably screwed up the first name this time. I'm so sorry. She's the founder and CEO of EcoRico Entertainment, which involves TV, a cooking show, videos, blog, all kinds of fun stuff. Hi, Giselle. Hello, Meg. How are you? I'm great. And I think today we're going to talk about some organic eggs. We are absolutely going to talk about organic eggs. And I know that sounds like, oh, my God, that is so boring. But in fact, (laughs) <laughs> it is not. Nothing is boring because with you, organic Giselle. Organic eggs are in everything from uh, wonderfully organic, 
healthy mini veggie frittatas, which you can see a recipe for on Egotico TV on YouTube, to, um, you know, a fabulous uh, low, low reduced fat pumpkin creme brulee, which you can also see on Egotico TV on YouTube. <laughs> and, I, and I think we're going to post those on the Green Divas, right? With the recipes? Uh, if you would like. I think so. I um, think so. These are just, these are all-star hits. Uh, and the way I know it is because my nine-year-old daughter, who, when I was developing all these recipes, was yo- younger at the time, I don't shoot them and I don't post them until she says, oh, mom, it's perfect. You know, <laughs> then I know we're ready to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, organic eggs, uh, as you will soon find out, are so much more healthy and better for you. And they just make everything taste better. So, yep. yeah, it's a great topic. They're in dessert. Why are they? Why are they better than conventional eggs or whatever? Well, because organic eggs come from chickens fed an organic diet. And a lot of people really don't understand what that means. So uh, it means that the feed that is fed these chickens are non-GMO. They're pesticide, insecticide, and arsenic-free. Hello. Yeah. Uh, You know, these chickens are free-range, so they've had some pasture. They are richer in antioxidants and particularly in choline, which is a necessary ingredient for our bodies, which boosts brain function and lowers inflammation. So uh, I know it's incredible, right? On top of that, um, what's so great is that organic eggs, believe it or not, as opposed to uh, eggs from conventional chickens, have a third less cholesterol, a quarter less saturated fat, two-thirds more vitamin A, two times more omega-3s, three times more vitamin E, and seven times more beta-carotene. Seriously? And I will reiterate, they are non-GMO. Wow. Wow. So there's there's like, you just listed like at least a half a dozen really good reasons why organic eggs. Now, just because the thing says organic doesn't mean necessarily that the chickens are running around happy outside, right? That's correct, but um, because under our uh, the USDA organic label, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're totally free range. Uh, but they do have to; they can't be caged. They they do have to have outdoor time and all of that. Of course, you want to look for free range eggs as well, because then you know that they're at least getting some pasture time. Yeah. So uh, you know, I get organic free range eggs. Um, yeah. Not just because they're more nutritious, but because it's better for our environment. Hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The feed that is fed these chickens um, is not ridden with pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides, as I mentioned, which, as we know from, you know, all of the Green Diva shows, um, (laughs) these kind of pesticides get in the soil. They toxify our water table. Um, It's just a horrible climate change disaster in the continual making. So you really want to think about, in particular, with your meats, because um, the feed with the toxicity in the feed gets in the tissues of the chicken. So not only is it in the eggs and the byproducts, like the milk and everything else, from our, um, our, our meats, but it also is in the meat. So if you eat chicken or if you eat beef or whatever it is that you're, you're ingesting, whatever that animal has ingested, you ingest it. Yeah. And what people really need to understand about conventional feed is not just does it have hormones and does it have all these pesticides that are in the feed that are given these 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 animals, including uh, genetically modified feed. But in chicken feed, which is really sick, there's something called roxersone, and roxersone is a neurotoxin containing arsenic. So when you eat these birds that are eating this crap feed and eat the chickens from these birds, you are ingesting arsenic. Hello, toxicity, right? Yeah, Yeah, really. It's very unappetizing. Isn't it? I mean, it's just like, why would I want to eat that? If you knew you were eating that, why would you eat that? Exactly. That's why we're here, because we need to educate the public on what exactly it means. You know, and then everybody, you know, one of the things that you know that I talk about a lot, one of the things that I talk about is that um, I don't even know what I was going to say. I just <laughs> what I was saying. Well, here's here's a question. Is there any, do you, do you sense any taste difference between an organic and, uh, I mean, I kind of do, but I also buy, I get my organic legs from my local egg lady, so I know they're super fresh. Oh, they're super fresh and they're going to taste a lot better. They're richer. Um, they add a tremendously a, a richness and a depth of flavor into whatever you're using them in, you know, that you're cooking with. Uh, and 
you know, I'm, I'm a culinary trained professional, so I like to tell people that chefs may not care if something is certified organic or not. This chef does. Yeah. You know, but they do care about taste yep. always. Yep. And there's not a chef worth his or her weight that won't tell you that sustainably raised produce, meats, uh, and meat byproducts that are sustainably raised, of course, um, and fed taste better yep. than yep. those that are conventionally raised. There's just no taste in them. Things are, you know, like chickens that are conventionally raised are killed in eight weeks. Um, they're clumped up and they're yeah. killed, well, six weeks, actually. It's kind of um, scary. Six yeah. weeks. It's yeah. sick. Yeah. Imagine what, the, what that little bird has grown into in six weeks. Nothing, just some fat, no flavor. Chemicals, yeah. Bird. I mean, it's yeah. horrible. So um, organic birds live to be 12 to 16 weeks, you know. So at least there's been, they've had a, a, a bit better of life. Uh, and then when they are killed, they're killed in more humane ways. So, for instance, if you're going to, if you do eat meat, meat that is grass-fed always, always tastes better. Yeah, I, it I does. Don't eat mammals, it does, but, yeah. uh, When I did, you know. When I, I did, I, yeah. I, I don't that. anymore, yeah. Uh, but it's the same thing with all animals. How they're killed affects the taste of the meat. So meat that is killed with an animal in stress uh, is tougher. It has a bitterness to it. Um, it has that wild, tangy flavor to it because of the release of endorf- endorphins and uh, in, in the bloodstream, which yeah. affects the meat, you know, it gets in the tissues. So you have to really consider all of this when you are buying meat and meat byproducts but so, we're right. going to talk about eggs so if so, you're going to be a carnivore and if you're going to eat eggs be a conscious carnivore and be aware of where it comes from and you know the value for the earth and for yourself right amen all right. amen all right well green diva uh, giselle as always and i hope that we do get a post from you and, and with some of these recipes that we can play with yeah, so what you'll get is a link to some of these recipes, and you can see me and my daughter in the kitchen making Aww. all the things. The, the mini veggie frittatas are phenomenal, and you can make them uh, with or without. I do a brulee gruyere on top, oh. um, and they're little minis. And if you can believe it, my kid would take these to school for lunch. They're that tasty and delicious. And then, of course, you know, my cakes and the pumpkin creme brulee and all of my desserts include um, organic eggs. And even if you're going to do something like a fried rice, if you're going to do some yeah. Asian cuisine with yeah. eggs in it, I always recommend doing uh, organic eggs for your protein if, if you're going to go that way. So, um, of course, you'll have links to Eco Rico TV. That's E-C-O-R-I-C-O TV. You can find me um, at EcoRicoTV.com, at EcoRicoTV on on um, on uh, YouTube, and then of course I have a huge, huge following on Google Plus. So, Excellent. Uh, Come well, check us out. Thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to you again soon, Green Diva Giselle. Thank you, Green Diva Meg. I love <laughs> me the Green Diva. Oh, bye-bye. Hope you're hungry. For more easy and delicious recipes and even more foodie information, go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Shopping should be fun, not frightening. That's why True Goods offers a consciously curated selection of non-toxic goods. Find a variety of healthy and natural products for house and home, the kids, and even those furry family members. Also check out the True Goods blog, The Goods, for engaging articles and useful resources. True Goods makes choosing a healthier, safer, cleaner lifestyle easy. Tell truth, shop good at TrueGoods.com. Wishing you had a green thumb or want to learn more about sustainable gardening outdoors and in? Expert green divas and dude gardeners share tips for everything from composting to growing herbs in your kitchen. Listen to the Green Divas Green Thumb for low-stress gardening tips. Well, yay, we're back again with Allie Hoffman, our Green Divas Green Thumb gardener and um she is going to tell us about what we need to do in the month of august what do i need to do in the month of august for my garden Allie? well meg um 
I'm here to tell you that you already know <laughs> that you need to water, you need to weed, and you need to watch for bugs and diseases. Yeah. So the things that you really want to do in August that are fun, beyond all of that, is number one, you want to plant a fall vegetable garden. Okay. Number, number two, you want to plant some herbs to bring indoors in a pot. And number three, you want to refresh your containers. Okay. So you still have time to plant a fall vegetable garden because, well, at least we do here in Chicagoland and I'm sure many parts of the country, because there's still, we don't expect our first frost until October 15th. Right, right. So we still have, from August the 1st until then, we have over 70 days of a growing season. So even though it's sweltering hot outside in August, we still have time to plant beets and peas and turnips and lettuce and carrots and all kinds of other things that enjoy enjoy this cooler weather. I have a question. I I read recently that that carrots can do well in in containers. Is that true? I mean, obviously, it has to be big enough. Most, most. Uh, vegetables will do well in containers, and there's such a big push for that now that there are many varieties that are hybridized to be small and fit into containers. There are eggplants that only get to be two feet tall, and they have little egg-shaped eggplants. Oh, how cool. Which is also good if you're just one or two people and you don't want to have rows and rows of eggplants. Now, when so, you, and, and if you're talking about planting now, are you talking about planting seeds now? I'm talking about planting seeds. You can wow. plant broccoli and cauliflower uh, and cabbages from seedlings if you can find them at your garden center or at the farmer's market. But if you can still plant from seed because, for example, carrots, which are good when they're babies, if you are going to have an early frost, Carrots take somewhere between 65 and 80 days to mature, but I like mine little anyway. Yeah. So I can plant carrots on the first day of August and then plant them again a week later because it takes two plantings for me to get a full crop. They're very hard to get started. But once I do, then I'll have carrots that I can even leave in the ground after it freezes a little. They get even more tasty. So I'm, you know, usually I sow seeds inside in the, you know, February or March, but so I'm not used to sowing them outside. But I guess uh, if you water them properly and give them lots of love and attention. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So get out there and plant yourself some uh, Swiss chard and some spinach and arugula. Yeah, and I want to, I definitely want to do more lettuce anyway. The other thing you can do is get a pot or two and start some herbs that are annuals that you want to bring in the house. So basil doesn't have to end for you at the first frost. You can plant basil from seeds very easily and parsley too and bring it in the house when it starts to get too cold. Put it in a sunny window and you'll have a head start and you want it to pay $5 for a packet of fresh herbs. Oh, I love that. And what about cilantro? Will that do well in that under those circumstances? Yes, cilantro will do really well. You'll be hacking it back. Now, probably by January, it's all going to be very tired. Yeah. But yeah. it is it, that depends on the aspect of the window. But then we could start from seeds almost in February to go outside anyway, right? Yeah, and things want to grow when those days start getting longer again. So... So that's a good, another good thing to do in August, and then that way the plants will be nice and strong by the time they do come in. And then the other thing to do, and these are things you really have to do in August. You're not going to have enough time to do them if you wait till September for most of the country. The other thing to do is refresh your containers. Yeah. Even though those annuals look lush and, and wonderful, chop them back halfway, and they will come back with a whole new flush of growth and be really gorgeous for the fall. Wow. You know, I have a sweet potato vine that is actually taking over my entire deck like a sea serpent right now. (laughs) Well, that's great. (laughs) Should I hack that back? Well, you can if you want to. It'll probably 
you know, you want to have your proportions. It's kind of fun, though. I'm having fun with it. Well, and eventually, maybe your chipmunk friend will help you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's a question for you. I have never seen this. We always have grown tomatoes on the deck, and I... I think I got some different seeds this year. Oh, no, I bought plants. I bought these um, organic plants. That's right. I didn't do seeds this year. And they're sort of plum-shaped tomatoes, this one plant, and all of the bottoms are cut off and, like, rotting from the bottom up. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, You probably, hard to tell without seeing it, but it sounds like you might have blossom end rot. Oh, yeah. Which is... um, often called, caused by a calcium deficiency. What a bummer. I don't know what kind of soil you planted in. Well, organic the, the soil. Vegetables. I even, I even um, fortified it with some, you know, organic, and it, I think it was specific for tomatoes. The other tomatoes well, are happy. You, I've heard you can, yeah, those plum tomatoes are difficult, too. Um, They're going to be catch, harder to grow. I, I find them harder to get started and harder to grow well, than taste tomatoes. There's stumps that are still okay. The, the green ones are still intact. Can I grind up, like, an eggshell and find, you, you know? You can. You can. And I've, if it's a disease, I've heard you can spray milk on them. Uh-huh. And that might help if it's, if it's some kind of a fungal disease. Oh, no. No fungal among them. <laughs> no fungus but among you get us. rid of the ones with the black ends. They're no good, and they just attract. Whenever a plant is injured or has a disease or insect damage, it sends out a signal that it's right. injured. So it spends so more energy. Wanna, yeah. yeah, you want to remove those so they don't attract. Well, I will send you a picture, and maybe you can advise me offline. I'd be delighted. Well, it sounds like it's kind of an active and fun month. I add, this, I think I've never done a second harvest. I'm always kind of burned out by now, but this year I'm going to do it, and I'm going to Well, good. I look back. forward to seeing those pictures, too. Aww. Thanks so much, Allie. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Meg. Inspired to grow more organic stuff? We are. To learn more about this Green Diva's Green Thumb episode and all kinds of other great green information, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Where are you headed on your next trip? Have you considered the environmental impact of your adventure? Listen to the Traveling Green Divas to get tips for healthy, safe, and eco-friendly travels. Wow, I am so thrilled to be talking to Gary Dietrichs today. Did I say that right, Gary? You certainly did. Okay, good. And he is not only an awesome green dude, but the publisher and editorial director of Green Travel Guides. Did I get that right? Green Traveler Guides. Green Traveler Guides. I apologize. um, There's so many different green fun things, and I don't always get it right. But Gary is obviously a really savvy green traveler, so he's got some tips for us. And today, I think... I love this topic, too. Um, I think we're going to talk about traveling on any budget. Tell, tell me what we're talking about, Gary. Absolutely. We're, we're calling this uh, Lux to No Frills, Green Travel on Any Budget. Perfect. And it's, it's true. I mean, you know, there's like buying organic. There's this nagging perception that traveling green is more expensive. Right. But uh, like buying organic, sometimes yes, and most often in our experience, not necessarily, or even outright no. Right. I mean, what is true is that you can find green travel at any price. Yeah, and I love that. And I also just have to interject that sometimes with any of these things, when people are like, oh, those electric cars are too expensive and it doesn't pay off in time or the hybrids or whatever, I say, but, you know, let's talk about, all right, maybe there's dollars, there's value in dollars, but there's also future value and, and, and other values involved, like, you know, leaving your carbon footprint a little lighter, right? I mean, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, sometimes when you're not paying out your own dollars, you're paying it down the line in your tax dollars. Yeah, there you go. So tell us what what the range is a little bit. Okay. Well, 
I think a, re- a really great way to start and to illustrate this point is that earlier this year, TripAdvisor, who we all know, put out a list of what they called the 10 best green hotels in the U.S. And maybe no surprise, the number one hotel that they picked was a, was a very nice, very luxe five-star hotel in Napa Valley wine country called Bartosono, oh. where, you know, it's a very, very special experience. And um, unless you're a movie star, you're probably not going to go on a regular <laughs> basis. Right. But also in that list was a Holiday Inn Express in Florida. Really? And some mid-range hotels. I mean, it really literally covered the gamut and demonstrated very well that, you know, it, you know, whatever whatever your travel style, whatever your travel means, if you want to go green, you can do it. Wow. And well, and, and then there must be all kinds of other things in between, whether they're bed and breakfast or special kind of places, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just a matter of... Uh, of seeking those out a little bit, doing a little detective work, and it's you know easier and easier on on that on that wonderful thing called the web to find these things. Um, I mean, TripAdvisor, for example, is one of of several booking engines that now calls out green properties. They have their own green green program called Green Leaders, and you can you can actually select for that. Expedia does a similar thing. Really, so I didn't know that. Better and better, and you know, and you could even look on a look on a website like Green Traveler Guys and find find great great tips. Well, that's what I was going to say. Really, I mean, what you guys, what you're doing with Green Travelers Guys is perfect for someone who's not sure. I mean, you, in other words, you don't have to be doing a, a specific ecotourism thing. You could say, look, I'm going to. Hawaii, for instance, because Lynn and I happen to be going to Hawaii soon. Uh, and then you can look through these various sources, whether it's Green Traveler's Guides or um, TripAdvisor, and find out different properties for the style that you want to stay in and the budget you have, right? That's absolutely right. And oh. it, you know, it's not, it's not, as you pointed out, it's, you don't have to be in the jungle somewhere in an eco, eco cottage. You can, you can be going to New York City. You can be going to Hawaii. You can be going to Cleveland. You can still find places that are doing the right sustainable things. And it's not, it's not confined even, even to hotels. I mean, it could be camping. It could be right. glamping. You're familiar with that term, sort of. There's a place in um, <laughs> near Santa Barbara that I like a lot called El Capitan Canyon that we've written about, where they they have these luxury safari tents that you rent, thus glamping, glamorous camping. Really, I've and heard of it. It's not nearly as expensive as a hotel room, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. Oh my gosh! So, I, you know, I it's I also could... it's also beyond where you sleep. I mean, there are, whenever you travel, there are. Uh, and virtually anything you do, you can find a more sustainable choice in, in, in dining. You can find restaurants that have green practices. Uh, one of the great things that we like to do when we travel is go to the local farmer's market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a habit my husband and I have as well. So yeah. there's a, and, and, you know, I think throughout our segments with you, we're going to be exploring a lot of these different things. So I'm really looking forward because I know one of our upcoming segments with you is going to be about what is a green restaurant, why should I eat at one, and you're going to give us some tips for when you're traveling to find healthier food. Um, Absolutely. I love We're, it. We are going to do that. I'm but so getting ex- back to the farmer's market concept for just a second, just yeah. to complete that thought, if I might, um, not only is that a great place to, to um, buy great stuff from a local organic farmer if you're doing some saving some money by doing some of your own cooking if you have those facilities wherever you're set staying. But what we like to do is once you find those farmers, ask them, who right. do you sell your stuff to? What yep. restaurants do you recommend? What should we not miss that's, 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 not, that's doing good, sustainable, green, organic stuff? It's a great source of information. Oh, yeah. yeah my husband and I are always you know, making friends at the farmer's markets wherever we go. And that, that is one of the things we do. Um, and you always find the best stuff. Well, Gary, we're going to wrap up this particular segment. But, um, folks, please visit Green Travelers Guides. Did I say that right? Green Traveler Guides. Traveler. Okay. I'm getting mm-hmm. all my plurals mixed up. Green Traveler Guides.com. Thank okay. you, Gary, so much. And I look forward to talking to you again. You're very welcome. Thank you. 
Whether you're off to a tropical getaway or traveling for business, make sure to check the Traveling Green Divas on thegreendivas.com for more tips and ideas for healthy, safe, and eco-friendly adventures. The Green Divas get to talk to so many inspiring people who each in their own way is helping us find a deeper shade of green. Here's just one of them. Enjoy. Wow, I'm really happy today to be talking to Susan McPherson, who definitely is a serial connector. And if you, and the more you'll learn about her, the more you'll understand that she runs um, a consultancy called McPherson Strategies, and she's all about sustainable business and creating the environment that allows uh, – I don't know. Paul, help me out because you're <laughs> I like I like the way she says it's the intersection of brands and social good. Thank you. So we yes. should let I knew Susan that. talk. I know. We should. <laughs> Hi, Susan. Hello there. How are you? And thank you for welcoming me today. Yeah. Well, we're, we're good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking with you about some of the work you're doing and how you – how you see um, business and, and, and maybe trends, hopefully, in the direction of creating more socially responsible and sustainable business practices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, we, we're seeing um, a phenomenon known as millennials that are coming out of school, coming out of graduate school, and vo- uh, you know, making their voice heard with their, with their wallets, with their yeah. choice of of companies that they uh, select to go work for. And, you know, that is in large part driving much change that we're seeing corporations take. Interesting. Um, and, and corporations can be small, medium, and large-sized companies. It's not just the Nikes and the Walmarts and Coca-Colas of the world. Um, you know, mid-sized companies, even entrepreneurial companies now, if they want to attract the best and brightest employees that will day and not, you know, come for a year and leave, they are increasingly seeing that they need to be socially conscious, philanthropic, and environmentally sustainable. Well, that makes sense. You'd think as an employee, you'd want to work for a company that respects humankind and treats customers like family, and certainly employees would expect that same treatment. So It's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. You know, the, the workforce, the, the burgeoning, you know, youthful workforce driving some of that, and that's kind of interesting. You know, it's funny. I mean, I grew up in a time when there were three television channels, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, you got your news through the lens of, you know, three 50-year-old white men. Yeah. And, you know, kids today see a view of the world from, you know, age two or three on, you know, they can see Antarctica on their on their <laughs> smartphones. They can right. see um, Nigeria. You know, they can hear about Bring Back Our Girls. I mean, they, the world is a far more connected place. Yeah. Um, so I think all of that leads people to be so much more aware. And awareness brings, cog- you know, cognizance, and that brings intelligence and therefore helps you make the decisions that, you know, we need to be thinking about a better planet. So I'm thinking about what what is like what are the what's the number one thing that you're called upon as a consultant? Um, what's the number one thing you tend to do, or, or that you're you're called on to do with companies? Well, there's, there's 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 a variety of things, but what I'm finding of late is helping organizations story tell in an authentic and meaningful way. Right. the social good they are doing. Okay. Um, there is so much noise out there. And often, you know, there was a time when companies, you, you, you saw two dynamics. One where you had greenwashing, where companies were saying they were doing good things, when in actuality it was, you know, just kind of a um, lipstick kind yeah. of thing. Right. Um, and then you had other companies that were extremely humble and had amazing stories, but they weren't sharing them. Yeah. So they were missing out on opportunities. So today, with so many different channels and so many different platforms to share, both internally as well as externally with customers as, and, and shareholders, it, it becomes really important 
um, and catamount for organizations to be strategically sharing those stories. So I'm often called upon to help that. Also, um, oftentimes working between a corporation and a nonprofit or NGO so that the two together can be affecting positive change. Um, and that way you get employees involved in volunteering, um, and therefore you have what's known as you know, an engaged employee, and therefore a more productive employee and right. a happier employee. Right, right. Yeah, this sounds a lot like the work I was doing in the late 80s, early 90s with cause-related marketing. Mm-hmm. I, had uh-huh. a, I had a PR agency, and you know, there, it, it was sort of a newer concept back then. I'm sure it had been done, but it was starting to really blossom into something um, that was effective because there weren't a lot of people trying to do it. Um, green wasn't an issue. Sustainability wasn't an issue. But it, but but we were using uh, corporate good works and community activity to help highlight um, you know certain issues. So it, yeah. yeah, I used to do this. I used to get uh, you know kind of find a really cool nonprofit to uh, marry with a company that was looking to do something mm-hmm. meaningful yeah. in the community. Yeah, multi yeah. stakeholder partnerships. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> it's one and cause marketing still very much, you know, exists today and, and, and very, very popular. Um, but, you know, we, we have to be honest. I mean, cause marketing is a, a, a sales channel. Um, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very good. But you're, the company is putting the onerous on the customer to be the fundraiser, not the actual company. Right. Well, what I like about the services you offer is that you, you look to measure the impact so that there's yeah. a transparency, there's a legitimacy, and you've got data behind your assertion so that uh, it, you're less apt to be caught in, right. a, in a bad position or greenwashing. You can, you can really back up your story. And, and I, I also have, have taken note of just how – like a resurgence and rediscovery of storytelling as an art. Yeah. And how much more yeah. effective it is than a PowerPoint slide with a bunch of bullets and data that just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. That the stories are something that, you know, as human beings we can relate to and connect to. So yeah. um, the, the companies that realize this are, are going to have the advantage. And Well, here's – oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, I was just going to say I think storytelling is critical and you'll you'll tell us in a second. And I was jumping in because – one of the things I have an issue with with cause marketing today is that I think the market is so saturated with so many messages and so many companies, yeah. and I wouldn't call it greenwashing, but they want to appear cool or Squeaky green, clean. and they want to appear better than they are, so they go out and do stuff. And sometimes it's like, okay, come on, you know, really, um, <laughs> you know, you're not you're not Tom's shoes or whatever, but nice try, and. Um, and and because all right, so you know, tell us how do you get above the noise? Well, before you even think about sharing your story or opening your mouth, um, you really need to do some deep, deep listening. And by listening, I mean you know determining where your audiences are. Are they at the point of purchase of your product? Are they on Twitter? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they on Google Plus? And once you identify where they are, you need to find out what they are interested in and what's going to motivate them. And right. once you do that, you can do some you know, strategic planning from which how you're going to get the messages to them. I'm a huge believer in surveying and asking, and I often say that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. So we should be listening twice as much as talking. Yeah. And the social tools that are at our disposal today really allow you to do that very cost-effectively. So tell, tell us, what, what do you see as like the number one trend in, um, in corporate responsibility and sustainable practices? Or mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's a very difficult question, only because it really depends on the type of company, the right. size of company, the right. maturity of the company. Um, but I do what I what I identified in the beginning of the conversation is I, I see this issue of attracting the best and brightest employees huh. to be a driving factor in in making this taking CSR and corporate responsibility out of the silo. 
In other words, making it um, apparent and and used and pursued across the enterprise. Absolutely. Because if it is in a silo, it isn't going to get to every single office and every single um, you know manufacturing plant of a particular right. company. Well, and so I do. Go ahead. No, I'm so sorry. I think what we're also seeing is that when these types of values are instilled in companies, that they can then start to leverage the relationships with supply suppliers and start affecting the supply chain. Well, and yeah. you get this trickle-down effect that is bigger than, than any one part. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, again, we live in a tremendously connected world where it used to be, you know, 20, 30 years ago when a company had – a fire or disaster in a, in a foreign country, it was often, you know, talked about for like a minute and then forgotten. And now, again, thanks to this giant phenomenon known as social media, these things don't just go away as quickly. Right, right. Um, you know, case in point, the, the, the horrific Bangladesh Rhino Plaza fire yeah. um, and collapse. You know, we're still talking about it. Now, you don't see it on the front page of the news, of course, but, but people in the industry are very much aware that that happened. And yeah. consumers were aware, too. So that, you know, there is ramifications for those, you know, the cheapest pair of jeans that you can buy. Right. Um, the, the other just quick trend I'll, I'll share is I do start, I'm starting to see business models that are baking corporate responsibility and sustainability into their products. Uh, there's a wonderful example of a, of a company, an e-commerce company called Zady, Z-A-D-Y, which... Uh, allows you to really track each product, where it was made, who made it. Um, And by just knowing that, you as the buyer um, can have the trust to know that, you know, it wasn't made by five-year-olds or it wasn't made by, you know, uh, slave labor or, you know, non-living wage labor. Right, right. Um, And so I think we're, 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 we're seeing more of that going forward. Now, do you have any companies, and I don't want to say favorites because I know you've got a lot of clients and you don't want to offend anybody, but are there any companies that you think are, are really good examples? I, you just mentioned Zadie, of course, and that strategy I think mm-hmm. is really cool, and I've seen that, especially in some fashion. A couple of fashion companies um, that are using this transparency so you can really see where the materials are coming from, who's making it. Sure. I love that. Sure. That, uh, And I think it's especially in fashion industry, which is notoriously challenged with these yeah. bad behaviors. <laughs> but are there, are there any um, particular standouts that, that, that you might well, mention? I mean, I have, I have many favorites on several that come to mind. Marks and Spencer's, when they did their Schwapping yeah. initiative, I love that. I thought it was so unique and 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 just meaningful. Um, and I had a, a just a personal experience recently, or maybe it was a year ago at this point. But when I was staying at a Westin Hotel, the, the Westin St. Francis in San Francisco, and I was asked if I wanted to um, forego having my room cleaned, you know, for the three days I was there. Normally, you get the little note saying, you know, just if you don't want, if you want to reuse your towel, right, you right. can. But what they did is, if I agreed, then for each night I'd get an additional 500 points. Oh, very cool. Um, and I just thought, you know, you're, that made it worth it. I was yeah. like, of course. Yeah. And that way, as a consumer, I'm able to kind of be also rewarded, not, not necessarily that, that, that I would have needed that, but it was an extra perk to get better behavior for both the company and the consumer. Well, there may be yeah. so, some consumers, uh, you know, that, unlike us, are a little bit more driven by the economic value of something than than they would be by the green or environmental value. So I yeah. think it's great because it, like you said, it brings other people into the to the concept and yeah. a little incentive. So I'd yeah. love to take a kind of a reverse spin on um, Megan's last question, rather than kind of calling somebody out because I know none of us would really want to do that. But is there a is there an industry segment that you think really needs to mm-hmm. to kind of step up here and and look at practices, you know, its, its yeah. practices and the opportunity yeah. for change? Um, I think the 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 tech industry, which has been extraordinarily um, you know building environmental sustainability, has been um, pathetic when it comes to <laughs> diversity yeah. and. Yeah. You know, and, and a diverse workforce is a better workforce. Study after study shows that 
the more diversity, even at the board level or at the board level and then on down, hmm. is going to actually lead to better better revenues, you know, and, and profits. So to me, I think when we look at the, the, the technology industry and the lack of senior level women, female leadership, um, I think that that, that needs, to, it needs to improve. And um, I don't know if it necessarily, you know, oftentimes falls under kind of the corporate responsibility umbrella, but you have to look at the fact that in the next 20 to 30 years, there is going to be this massive transition of wealth between men to women. So if a company wants to be selling to women, they really need to have women yeah. in leadership. Yeah. So, uh, and I just, you know, we see that the tech industry is, is woefully behind. Just don't look at GM as the example right now. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> poor woman <laughs> they run I it into know. the ground and okay it's your turn yeah, to leave. yeah. clean have, up this mess have fun yeah <laughs> and it's interesting so that's a great um segue you do an incredible amount of work around women's rights and mm-hmm. and empowering yeah. young women and girls I, it's so funny that today we were on the radio with you and this morning i actually had received from someone else a, a link to the like a girl video Oh, it's not wonderful. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So, yeah, you're involved with Girls Rising. Yeah, uh, Girl Rising. Yeah, the film. Girl Rising and the the platform. Yes, I was on a the board of an organization called BP for about seven years, which helps provide training and uh, mentoring um, uh, for women entrepreneurs in regions of conflict and post conflict. That's awesome. Um, so well, yes, but it's it's just it's just. Keeps me busy. So, <laughs> she's walking the walk, man. Absolutely. You know, she's, awesome. she's helping helping companies understand how they can walk the walk, and she's doing it for her own. And she's an East Coaster. We love I that, know. too. She's in our hood, man. So we always Thank like you. to leave our listeners with an action item. So uh, okay. maybe you can give us two. One, how can people find out more about you and learn about the great work you're doing? Yes. And then, you know, what can they do as consumers and or business owners to, to put this – method into practice. Got it. Well, and thank you both for uh, this wonderful opportunity to to join you on this fun, fun radio show. Um, you can find me at um, www.susanmcp, that's S-U-S-A-N, M as in Mary, C as in Cat, P as in Paul, dot com. And um, consumers, I would say get on social media. It is not just about sharing what you had for breakfast. It's, uh, I've actually attended uh, four weddings of people that I have met on Twitter. Oh, yeah. So, um, I, it's a great way to find causes and, and um, charities and nonprofits that you maybe didn't even know about. Um, and then if I were, you know, if, if you're a business owner or a company owner, don't, you know, you don't make the excuse that you're too small um, to start implementing sustainability and charitable um, business, you'll reap the benefits. And it's a lot easier to turn a rowboat around than it is to turn a barge or a cruise ship around. (laughs) Good visual. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you both. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Okay, great. All right. Hope you enjoyed that as much as they did. Please visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. For more fun podcasts and information on the Green Divas and low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. You've been listening to the Green Divas radio show. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Swell Radio, and Spreaker. Get social with the Green Divas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Subscribe to the Green Divas YouTube channel to watch them in action. And for all the latest good green news, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com.